Welcome, Mosaic, those who are with us here in person and those online. We're so thankful that you guys are with us this evening. Would you stand and worship with us?
Take a seat, family. Well, good evening, Mosaic. Grace and peace to you. How are you? Good. Online. Hello. How are you tonight? Hey, go ahead. Uh, before we even say anything, would you mind just going ahead and turn into someone next to you, around you, behind you, in front of you? Go ahead and greet the saints this evening. Give them a high, maybe a, a air five. Online, let's hear you in the comment section. Let's start talking to each other. This is a community of saints, so... Let's just take a moment to greet each other and make sure everyone feels welcomed. Hey, uh, we're gonna be taking communion tonight, so if you didn't grab one of the cups on your way in, please uh, go ahead and make sure you have one, or if you're at home and need to grab some elements to partake with us here in a little bit, uh, near the end of our time, we'll be doing that together. Uh, happy Martin, belated Martin Luther King Day. Uh, no school on Monday, kids, huh? Whoop, whoop. Some of you are like, I haven't felt like I'm in school for like a year, so. <laughs> and parents are like, it's true. Uh, I was reading some of King's stuff yesterday. He said this. Our chief end in life is not to be happy or to achieve pleasure or avoid pain, but to do the will of God, come what may. And I don't know if you were with us last week with Doug Rains. When he led us in our time in, in the Thy Kingdom series, and we were pressing into, even in this political season we're living in, how we as ambassadors for Christ can enter into it. We do the will of God every time as his image bearers, right? Uh, one thing we'd like to do this weekend was this, even across denominations is join in with churches across our nation and celebrating and advocating for the sanctity of human life. See, because we as, a, we as apprentices and followers of Jesus, we believe at the foundation of being a human, regardless of race, ethnicity, creed, orientation, religion, we believe that every man, woman, and child is created in the image of God and therefore has inherent dignity and value because Genesis 1 says so, amen? And so what we want to do is join with not just Mosaic, but the church across our nation this weekend and celebrating. Man, God cares deeply for the life of his image bearers. There's one organization locally we, we love partnering with, and usually around this time, you might see some bottles out in the foyer, and because of some restrictions, we're not gonna be doing that, but Loving Choices is a local partnership that particularly for women and for children, they do it just about better than anyone else in our area. And so rather than just talk about it, we'd actually like as ambassadors for Christ and apprentices of Jesus in Northwest Arkansas to just give you some, a few ways to even partake with the kingdom um, here in our own cities. And so you can follow the QR code. It'll take you to Loving Choices uh, website and just three really easy, practical ways 
to, to live out the kingdom, even as we'll talk about here in a little bit, of the ministry of reconciliation in Northwest Arkansas. One, um, hop on Loving Choices, and if you're feeling led in this season to, to give out of a spirit of generosity, they could use it. And so if, if that's a way you wanna partake in God's movement of giving and supporting them financially, go for it. Secondly, if, if you're looking or eager to serve, maybe the Spirit's gifted you in ways and you have a heart and a passion for women or for kids, which Jesus has a heart for both, and we should too, uh, to join in uh, with restrictions. Things are kind of weird, but there's lots of ways we could actually partner with them, even in amidst quarantine and COVID. And third and most importantly, could we pray? And can we join in praying for not just that organization, but for women and for kiddos, born or unborn, that Jesus would just continue to allow light into the darkness, freedom for the, the sin that we're experiencing even in our own cities. Cool? So uh, we also wanna take a second, and if you're new, uh, welcome. We have a thing we call Discover. And if you have maybe, whether you're online and you're somewhere else but don't really know anybody in here, or maybe you've been coming through COVID and you have no clue who anyone up here or around you is, Discover's a place for you. It's a great way for you even to, to dive in and connect and understand even what we're about here at Mosaic uh, with this body. So we welcome you. If you're new, please join us. And what I'd like to do before we uh, get back to, to sing into our king can we just take a moment and uh, even allow, as we just sung, to him to tune our hearts to his grace? So if you wouldn't mind, I, I don't know if anyone's invited you to do this today. We're just gonna take a second to do what Brother Lawrence calls practicing the presence. To just take a moment to grow in our awareness of what God is doing around us and within us and to thank him for it. So would you close your eyes? Maybe just go ahead and identify what are things that are making you anxious, or frustrated, or confused in this season. And then take a deep breath in, deep breath out. Man, what a grace that God gave us that breath, huh? And would you go ahead and start listing off, maybe just list with your hands 10 ways on each finger that you're just thankful for God and what he's doing in and around you in this season. postured, ready to receive. Would you mind looking at the screen and hear now from the word of the Lord? Oh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And to our King.
and divine friend Jesus, would you mind standing and giving him the praise that he rightfully deserves this evening?
Jesus, this is why we're here. This is our heart. Lord, as we're walking through a world of division, call us higher than that. That brothers, sisters in you can stand shoulder to shoulder and face you. Help us, Lord. Help us to work it out. Help us to follow you. Amen. You can be seated.
Well, hello, friends and family. My name is Matt. It is good to be back with you wrapping up this little mini-series that we have been doing. If you're visiting for the first time or you're tuning in virtually for one of the first times, uh, I thought there may be a little bit of value just to hit the rewind button over the last eight weeks and be reminded both where we have been and where we are going past this. So we started December. We looked at the familiar Advent, but specifically Emmanuel. God with us. And amidst all the crisis and tension and tone of today, the fact that Jesus enters our mess, he brings a model, he fills us with the hope, with the joy, with the peace, the love, that we would see it, experience it, and overflow from it. And then we moved from December into January, and we started this little mini-series called Thy Kingdom Come, which comes right out of Uh, That prayer from Jesus, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we've discussed some really important topics. As we exegete culture and we consider, we talk about Jesus bringing him, inviting him in, initiating him into those complex spaces of family, of money, of last week as we talked about government. And then where we're going to go tonight. And then next week we get to start our series on Joshua. So not only do we talk about how Jesus invades our hearts, invades our world, not only do we invite him in to flip the tables and change it to a total different kingdom come perspective, but then we together through a book like Joshua get to pray for the courage in the in the unfathomable callings of where God is leading us, you as an individual, you as a family, you as a disciple-making community, us as a church, that he would call us just like he did Joshua, just like he did Israel, to courageously and obediently respond. That's where we've been. That's where we're going after this. Uh, tonight, we are going to do what is a part two message um, if you were here way back, it just, it literally seems like a year ago, doesn't it? It was, it was last year. There's a little joke for you to start our time. It really wasn't that funny even. Um, we, right around Thanksgiving, thank you, this little crew right here, you laughed. We did a little series, or I'm sorry, we did one night on reconciliation. We took a 30,000 foot view of, of this really important spiritual word, this spiritual uh, just, just thing that Jesus in 2 Corinthians, as Paul writes about, that Jesus reconciles the people of God. He reconciles us. He changes us. He, he identifies the sin, the gaps that are in our hearts, that are in our world. And Jesus moves into those gaps, reuniting us from strangers and enemies, separate and din- distant, so that we become a part of the family of God. We, we are reunited together. It's just not that, though. It's not just what he's done. That's a, that is a major initial piece. He also, he invites us. Just try to wrap our minds and souls around this. He invites us to be partakers within this ministry of reconciliation. So as Jesus followers... Maybe, I don't know, maybe you could come up with one. I don't know if there is a better word that describes what should just be the beating of our heart, the calling of our heart, than this idea 
of reconciliation. And we close that message in uh, November, right around Thanksgiving with a radical prayer. It's a prayer that led us right into Advent and it came from Romans 15. That out of this reconciliation idea that a God of hope, that he would fill us and that he would fill us, that we would overflow with that hope, that joy, that peace, that love. And so this is the part two, and, and we could almost call this an equipping time. The title of tonight's message, if you're, if you're taking notes, is simply Practical Reconciliation. Practical Reconciliation. Uh, now, last week, my family and I, we took a really, like, roll-the-dice risk. We've never done this as a family before. We attempted skiing. And, and I don't know if I'm just getting old or you notice that I'm uncoordinated. So many of you, when I told you that, you, you texted me right away, don't break a knee, nothing. I'm walking still, ankles are good, totally healthy. But we tried skiing and, and kids who have never skied before and, and, and I haven't skied since I graduated college just years and years ago, but we went and we get in the plane, we're flying to Colorado, and my kids are like racing to get to the window seats because they want to see the Rocky Mountains. And we're flying in, kids, and like as soon as you started to see the Rocky Mountains, I mean, they are like plastered to the window. There they are. And we got this 30,000-look view of just one of the most beautiful things in our country. Maybe even the world is just looking out over the Rocky Mountains. Oh, it was so cool. And then the next day hit, and we were on those Rocky Mountains as rookie skiers. And time and time again, poles would be lost. Gloves were everywhere. Hats were halfway up the hill. And I had these weird boots that make my toes curl because they're too small, trying to walk up sideways those Rocky Mountains. Boy, sometimes it's a, it's a big difference looking at a 30,000-foot view than actually doing the hard work, taking the steps, enduring the pain. That's what happened last week, and, and, and it's where we kind of want to look today as we think of reconciliation. To do it, we're going to be guided by what, what is really a pretty simple verse. It's a simple verse from Matthew 10. If you have your Bibles, can you open there with me? Let's look at Matthew 10 together. And I wanna, I wanna, before we read, we're just one verse tonight. One verse as a model, as a picture, as a guide, as an equipping tool to lead us to practical reconciliation. But before we get to 1042, before we read it slowly and curiously, I wanna give you a little bit of this text within the context because, because it's important in Matthew's memoir what happens right before this? You see, you might remember that just a chapter before in Matthew 9, we get his, his story of his heart transformation. That time where Matthew, or originally named Levi, is sitting in his tax booth and he's watching a scene unfold that this little town has never seen before. A crowd's gathered at a house. He sees four fellas carry their buddy on a stretcher up the side stairs to the roof. And I just picture Levi, the tax collector, going, it, it looks like they're digging a hole in the roof. Holy smokes, they are. And everybody's been kind of whispering and talking about this Jesus in the, in the, that's inside this crowd, inside this house. And it seems like the only one who's not in this party 
is Levi the outcast. You see, he's an outcast to the Jewish people because he represents, he funds the Roman Empire. He's an outcast to Rome. He's just a lowly, simple Jew. In every social setting, in every circle that he lives, nobody wants Matthew there. Nobody wants Levi. And so I picture him in his booth as the scene unfolds, and it says that Jesus comes out of that house, sees Matthew, moves towards Matthew, calls him to himself, says, come, follow me. Changes the world forever. We also see a little bit of the context. We see uh, chapter 10, verse 3, the introduction of chapter 10, the calling of the 12 disciples. I think it's interesting. I think, I think it's purposeful that Matthew says the names of every single selected, every single chosen disciple. Only two have little titles or, or, or callings attached to it. Judas, who betrayed Jesus, and then he lists Matthew, the tax collector. It's almost like he's giving his CR introduction, isn't it? Hi, my name's Matthew. People saw me as an outcast everywhere I was. People saw me as a liar. People saw me as a cheat. People saw me as someone who didn't belong. And yet this Jesus, he moved into that gap. He moved into that dark hole, that soul space. He met me there. He reconciled me there. It's no wonder then that by the end of this initial chapter of, of Matthew's calling, he finishes it with this very simple verse, verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Kids, if you, brought, if you grabbed one of the note-taking sheets on your way in, that's the verse to write down. If you got your little wiki sticks, I want you to form them into a shape of a cup of cold water because tonight it's all about this little word picture. God has this way through his word of setting apart common elements for uncommon purposes. He does it, does it with loaves and fishes. He does it with bread and wine. He does it with sheep and shepherds as a means to teach, to heal, and to equip strugglers like us into practical reconciliation. So tonight, we are literally going to put our focus around a cup of cold water. We're going to slow down our pulse, slow down our instincts, and we're going to learn by this simple example of reconciliation that Matthew's pen is going to lead us to. So let's just, let's just do a little experiment. And I want you to picture in your mind right now the actual giving of a cup of cold water. Something that will not make us famous, not make us great, not, nobody will quote you or say, wow, that was really something. It seems so ordinary. And yet there's actually a lot of steps, a lot of stages that goes into this giving a cup of cold water. So let's just, let's, let's unpack them a little bit together. We're getting curious together. 
okay? First, there is an awareness. There is a sense of the weather. Is it hot? Is it cold? Am I in the south? Am I in the north? Am I in the east? Am I in the west? Am I inside? Am I outside? There is an awareness of a person's need for thirst. There's a hospitality. What does the moment call for? Is it an opportunity that water being offered means something? In this context, it says a cup of cold water offered to a little one, to a child. Okay, now, the cultural context, this would be a direct, uh, a, a, a direct lean into the least of these. Children were forgotten. Children were the lowest of the lows. They had no privileges. They had no rights. Even the sweat on their brow was rarely enough to say, would you like a cup of cold water? And yet Jesus, in his way that he continues to come back to the least of these, this is his model, this is his picture, this is his common element for uncommon purpose. So first there's an awareness, an attunement into the nonverbals of the situation. Secondly, there's a cost. Now you might think, Matt, there's literally no cost to a cup of cold water. There's nothing, that's so simple. Actually, friends, I brought in my Springdale water bill today. It is paid this month uh, $58.48. There actually is a cost. And to me, this bill actually seemed a little higher than normal, so there's a cost in that I have to go back and see what my last bills were. There's a cost of that sometimes this bill is really high, and so I have to wonder, like walk out to the street and lift up the, thing, the metal thing in the ground and see if the pressure has changed. There's a cost when I miss mailing it in and I have to drive it the three miles over to the place where the water bills are paid and I gotta wait in that long line. There's a cost in taking a cup that, that has been cleaned. It doesn't have the residue of child backwash. No, I pick a clean cup. I fill it with water and to make it cold, I put in ice. That seems like a small thing, but I actually remember the day where my wife and I were given the refrigerator that currently sits in our kitchen from her grandmother who passed away, got the hand-me-down refrigerator that in the middle of summer, I loaded on the trailer in West Memphis, strapped it down and drove 50 miles per hour across the state to get it in my kitchen. You better believe there is a cost, right? There's a cost to that cup of cold water. Secondly, as we look at this really simple verse and we read it slowly and curiously, we see, we see that it's a cup of cold water. A cup of cold water. It's not a cup of average water. But it is a cup and it is a cold. Because let's be honest, I could just say, hey, welcome to my house. Let's go hit the hose out back. Right? I mean, practically and technically, I could do that. But no, there's something about considering what is the best? What is the need? And how do I in the best way possible meet that need? Next, there is initiative. Despite all of the COVID six-foot regulations, I'm still not gonna toss you that cup of cold water. No, I'm gonna see you. 
I'm gonna read the situation. I'm gonna move towards you. I'm gonna hand it to you. And there is communicated love in that moment of initiating, being seen, being touched, being heard, being felt. And lastly, there's a reward. There is a reward when you hand somebody over a cup of cold water and they take that cup of cold water and they, they assume the position and they sip and they say, ah. Doesn't that feel good? Nobody did that with me. Let's try it again. Ready? Ah, it just feels right. Feels like I was a part of fulfilling a story. I met a need. Oh, yes, there is a reward to offering a cup of cold water. This common element used, taught, instructed, now equipped by Jesus through Matthew for us to slow down and consider how do we become a people of practical reconciliation. So first, there's an awareness. I want to ask you, do you genuinely and wholly see people? Do you see beyond the information and move into the onion layers of their soul, the wounds of a person? Walt Whitman once said, to be curious, not judgmental. Are you able to hold back all of your own cultural, historical, your leanings of instinct and opinions? To actually lean in and be a good question asker. To hear the narrative of a person aware and attuned to what is going on. I read an article once called The Three Mile Per Hour Jesus. Because that's how fast a person walks. And that's what ministry really looked like. I love just a couple chapters ago, Matthew 5, how Jesus is walking and crowds are pressing in and the disciples are getting stressed. They're supposed to be on their way. Come on, Jesus. And he slows down. And even though it says everyone is pressing in around him, he goes, wait, somebody just touched me. Power just left me. Because he's slow enough to be aware. I got a question for you. What's the odometer of your soul reading right now? Is the mile per hour so quick that you're actually unable to be aware of the gaps around you, the needs for reconciliation around you? I think that's something we could all grow in, truly seeing, truly being attuned to people. Secondly, there is a cost. There is a cost. I, I found it fascinating. Flip back to chapter 10 with me. So the start, and I'm, I'm only going to read the titles on the top of the paragraphs. It starts with the disciples, the 12 apostles being chosen. The next paragraph, it says, Jesus sends them out. The next paragraph says, and persecution will come. 17 says, beware of men, for they will deliver you. Over to the courts, they'll flog you in the synagogues. You'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. 22, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. As we set our expectations of the Christian life, 
The second thing he says is we're sent. The third thing he says is persecution will come. The next thing he says, the next paragraph, have no fear, which I found when strong and clear commands are given, it's because it's gonna be scary. We're terrified over what's coming. So Jesus says, have no fear, put your faith in me. The, four, the next paragraph, I've come not to bring peace, but a sword. If anybody thinks the Christian life is just a hunky-dory like trip around the little merry-go-round, maybe you're not reading this text. I wonder the expectations that you've put into living out the Christian life. There's a reason why it says pick up your cross daily to follow me. And there's a reason why in reflection of whoever gives a cup of cold water in my name, that the caveat, because you are a disciple. This isn't a command. This is a full presumption that a part of the Christian life is being a giver. What's the best? That's the next one, the best. I want you to picture something with me. Picture you're at your front window. You crack open the curtains or whatever's kind of covering that window and you see a moving truck across the streets. Can you all picture it? Maybe the kids in your household, they come up and they're looking, they're like, is there a bike? Because what does a bike mean? New friends. And we see the truck and this little quickening of anxiety maybe in your soul because we all know like, I'm gonna have to go over there and I think it's in the Constitution that I can't just go over there empty-handed. I have to bring cookies, and they have to be better than average. Maybe not homemade, but they at least have to be decent. My question for you is, even in that simple analogy, what is best? I wonder if you're attuned to the needs of those persons that just moved across the country that are exhausted, that are hurting, that are confused, that might be jobless, that now have new neighbors, new friends that are looking around saying, what is our new life gonna be? And I know my tendency is to be a box checker. It's to ring the doorbell, to hand the cookies and say, let me know if you need anything. But let's be honest, I really hope you don't. What is best? In the simple example of your neighbor. What about the city? When you look at the city you live in, what is best? I was stunned and shocked by this quote because I've said it a hundred times. I want to be the kind of person, I want to be the kind of church that helps the needy. But when I thought about best and I read this from Brianna Dorilis, I want to help dismantle the systems that make them in need. That's a different kind of question about offering a cup of cold water. It's not saying, I wonder if they're thirsty. It's saying, I wonder why they're thirsty. You see, here's the reality, friends. I think so often we avoid best because best takes time. Best takes work. And best so often reveals pain. Bob Goff said, pain, though, is not wasted 
What brings us to tears leads us to grace. The best is an invitation into grace. So here's a tip that I've learned while considering what is best. There's a big difference between a vehicle and a destination when it comes to my own soul. If I'm gonna serve a meal to a person, whether they're in need for whatever situation, and it's simply a means to check a box, then ultimately it's not about them, it's about me. It's about me and my ego, and I am the hero of the story I'm writing. Have you felt that before? Be honest. I'm gonna go bring this so that this little thing feels like it's met so that I can step back and celebrate the neat story and maybe get an Instagram shot of it. That's about me. That is not best. And that's merely a destination. But if a meal or cookies or a timely question, an attempt to give genuine time, if it has its roots in love, then it becomes a vehicle to genuine relationship, to knowing and being known. And friends, that is the road that the gospel travels on. Knowing and being known despite the pain, the hurt, the time, the effort that it takes to bring best. And aren't you thankful that that was Jesus's model of bringing best to us? An agape love that he would move into my mess, into my neighborhood, meet me in my worst. He brought his best. Next, there's an initiative it's not just a thinking or a reflecting or a talking or a posting. There's an actual doing. There's a giving of the cup of cold water. The first men's group I was ever a part of was a freshman in college. I've told you this before. I don't remember a thing they said beyond the first sentence that our leader, when he looked at that young group of men, he said, always expect that you are going to need to be the initiator. And all I think that Matthew's doing here. He's just doing what he's seen done. When he was in the tax booth and Jesus came to him, when he saw him, when he met him there, he even talked to him, he engaged him. You know what the very next verse says? From Luke's perspective, when he writes about it, he says that Matthew went and got his buddies together. That he threw a dinner party together of tax collectors. Outcasts. Hurting, broken, spiritually sick people so that they over a good meal would get face to face with Jesus because that's what initiators do. They see the gaps. They see the outcast. They see the hurt. They reflect on the reconciling work of God that was done unto them and they can't help it but to overflow that same story and initiate that for other people be aware enough to see gaps and invite Jesus into that space. And then finally, reward. It's the, ah. I think it's interesting in the text, every other reward that the paragraph alludes to prior talks about receiving a reward. Pull up that next slide for me. So it says, if you're giving a prophet, if you're inviting a prophet in, there's a prophet's reward and you receive that reward. If you invite in a righteous person, then you get that righteous person and you receive that righteous person's reward. But 
if you give a cup of cold water to the least of these, it's because you were a disciple, it says, then you will not lose your reward. Friends, if you are on a journey of pursuing living and loving like Jesus, then a spiritual seed, when you went, as Paul said in Ephesians, from old self to new self, a spiritual seed, a spiritual prompting, an instinct of reconciliation was born within you. A spiritual sense to see gaps, to see brokenness, and an opportunity to live one of the grandest privileges of the Christian life. And that's invite Jesus into those gaps intentionally and practically. That's a great reward. That's a great reward. And that's a reward I would pray that you would not lose out of convenience or fear. The cup of cold water is not the only common element for uncommon purposes. Now Jesus pulls his disciples together right before everything's about to fall apart. Literally their world would come to an, a near end from their nearsighted perspective at that moment. But before Jesus goes to the cross, he too gathers them for a meal. He gathers the outcast, the hurting, the broken. And he says to them, it's about to get ugly, but it's gonna get better. There's gonna be gaps that you see, but the work that I do on the cross, when I give my body, when I give my blood, it's gonna usher in a reconciliation, a reward that the world has never seen or known. And then he invites them to partake of it. Tonight, we're gonna do the same. So you have a bread and a cup in front of you. And as we've just been kind of guided in this real practical equipping time, we don't wanna just jump to it. We just don't wanna jump past the process where it goes from head to heart. That's a long 18-inch journey, one that we often miss. So I wanna play for you a song uh, that has really kind of rocked my world. I've had it on repeat for a good week. Uh, by the way, if you're virtual right now, uh, licensing agreement, we're not allowed to play Spotify songs over, the, the, over virtual, and so whoever has a phone close, pull it up. Uh, it's a song by Common Hymnal called The Kingdom is Yours. And we are gonna take intentional space, five minutes, to slow down our odometers, to slow down the mile per hours of our soul, to reflect on the model that Jesus just gave of practical reconciliation, to be aware, to count the cost, to know the best, to move in initiative, and to enjoy the reward of the Christian life. And so will you listen to the words of this song as the lights will come down a little? I just want you to sit in this space of reflection and, and even pay attention with the prayer, Jesus, who would you call me to give a cup of cold water to because I am a disciple? Many of you, you are that little one. You have gaps of your soul and you need Jesus right now to be the great reconciler of your hearts. And if that's you, that is okay because this is a moment to hold the bread and to hold the cup and to wait, to believe, to hear 
The kingdom has come. Our world is flipped upside down. And Jesus is our central priority, our central and only reward. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, what a model of agape, beautiful, perfect, reconciling love. That you left your home, you left your comfort zone to enter into my ugly mess, to fill the gaps of my brokenness with the reconciling love of Jesus when you put your body on the cross and gave your blood that we could be forgiven and live and walk in the newness of life. Lord, in a moment, we're about to celebrate and remember you by taking the the cup and the bread. But right now, Jesus, would you flood our heart? Will you fill us? And what are the practical reconciling steps that you would guide us to?
beautiful words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, huh? Again, to quote him, Dr. King said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And our God, who is both love and just, steps into the fray. And he brings justice perfectly. And a church that was divided in a time of division. And aren't we as a nation divided right now? Paul comes to the Corinthians and he says, amongst these factions, these divisions you have, and amongst the body of Christ, we are not divided. So would you take now, and would you remember his body that was broken on our behalf, and not just ours, but of the world's. And his blood that was shed on the cross for sinners, not just like you and me, but of the world's. And may we not just be hearers of the word, but doers, right? And so as I love the way Newman titled this practical reconciliation, that Jesus calls us to be ministers of reconciliation in this world. So two thoughts to consider as you leave this place, one for your journal, another for your family or roommates around the dinner table, and as well as just the community at large, maybe grab some neighbors. Who comes to mind when you consider giving this cold cup of water? To reach out, to step in, to join Jesus in the reconciling of all things. Who comes to mind? And secondly, what's the response? As we've been reconciled to God and one another, how can we join in practical ways in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and in our city? Mosaic, I don't know about you, but I have loved this little time in the Thy Kingdom series. And so please, would you mind standing with us one more time And would you read this not only over your own hearts, but even over the hearts of those around you together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Family online, we love you. We hope to see you soon. Friends, you are dismissed. Go in grace and peace.